Major support for Carolina Business Review is provided by Grant Thornton. Operating in more than 100 countries, our tax, audit, and advisory professionals specialize in helping companies unlock their growth potential. Novant Health, bringing you world-class technology, clinicians, and care when and where you need it. And Sunoco, a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries. There is no hotter policy issue in this region than education, for sure, but just as important, almost just as important, running a very close second is transportation and infrastructure. Thank you for supporting the most widely watched source of Carolina business policy and public affairs seen for 27 years across the Carolinas. I am Chris William, and this time our executive profile includes not just a member of the North Carolina governor's cabinet, but also a 30-year military veteran who carried the unique distinction of being an Army flag officer. In a moment, Tar Heel State Transportation Secretary Jim Trogdon. Gratefully acknowledging support by Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina. Please visit us at SouthCarolinaBlues.com. The Duke Endowment, a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, healthcare, rural churches, and children's services. Bearings, a leading global asset management firm dedicated to meeting the evolving investment and capital needs of its clients. Learn more at Bearings.com. On this edition of Carolina Business Review, an executive profile featuring James H. Trogdon III, North Carolina's Secretary of Transportation. Areas, if you can make it all work together. Welcome, welcome to our program. This is when the good dialogue starts. I, I always do this to our guests, and that's get engaged. Uh, Mr. Secretary, welcome. Your Honor, good, good to have you here. Thank you, Chris. Well, I'm sorry, I should yes. say General. I'm. Yeah. Uh, I said that you were a flag officer. A flag officer is a is a is a senior officer in a member of the branch of the military that can fly a flag that's relative to their station of command, which is an important distinction for anyone, and I say that with all due respect. But, uh, Your Honor, welcome to the program. We've got uh, a General Assembly, at least in North Carolina, and South Carolina is going through the same thing, a General Assembly that's been debating back and forth for a long time now, and this session is, is no different to really place priority funding on things like education and transportation. And um, I know those, those two priorities are always pulling and tugging. Mm -hmm. Um, you went to the General Assembly with this idea called Build NC, and it's, a, it's forgive me if, if it's not overly yeah. detailed, but an idea about looking at the funding model a little, little differently. Help us understand why this yes. would work and how North Carolina does this. Well, great opening question, Chris. Uh, and I would remind folks out there that in 1920, Governor Cameron Morrison's uh, assessment of the challenges in North Carolina were two basic challenges, education and transportation. So the more things change, the more they stay the same. Uh, the idea was uh, in working with the General Assembly, we really have to invest more in transportation. We know that. Uh, we're looking at all of the other peer states in the Southeast, those that are growing. 
and, and, and they're working all hard to do the same thing, which is how do we invest more in transportation because mobility supports our economy and without our economy, you know, we have serious troubles. So the challenge that we see is if we go today and, and say, okay, I want to invest more in transportation, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure that my existing revenue sources, primarily motor fuels, taxes, highway use, uh, and DMV fees, mm -hmm. you know, have done a wonderful job of sustaining us. However, in the coming decades, uh, we know due to fuel efficiency, electric vehicle adoption, uh, that motor fuels consumption will decline. So is what do we do? Do we, do we uh, try to increase something that we think over the long term may not be the best uh, investment mode, or do we look for other options to accelerate? So the first challenge I had was in coming back to the Department of Transportation as we had accumulated a lot of cash, 150% growth since uh, 2012, and that was due to changing our, um, our program from Historically, since 1989, our focus was building four-lane roads within 10 miles of 90% of the population, so uh, a rural four-lane network mm -hmm. across the uh, state, uh, building loops in 10 loop cities, 485 was one of those, and then paving unpaved roads. Uh, in 2013, the legislature said, you know, we've got to change that focus. Uh, that's not going to support us in the future. It's done great to get us where we are. So we shifted over to what's called the Strategic Transportation Investments Law, where everything is prioritized. Uh, at that time, we thought about looking at, at funding, but then uh, it, it wasn't a good time for a variety of reasons. And so now we're saying, okay, how do we increase investment? but we really need to figure out what mechanisms in the future will be the best, and that's gonna take time. So while I'm accelerating projects across the state, spending down that cash balance, the best thing to do is leverage uh, the debt capacity that we have so, while we're waiting. And, and let me ask you that, because yes. Dale Falwell, Treasurer's yes. been on this, and pounds the table about debt, debt, debt. We're gonna, we're gonna winnow it down. We're gonna be very careful about how we deploy yes. it, use it. Do you, and I don't want to get into politics here, Your Honor, and I know you won't, but yeah. how, so will your idea to close this $60 billion funding gap, will it run up against what the treasurer wants to do about lessening the debt load on North Carolina? So, no, we want to work closely with the treasurer because he already estimates what responsible debt capacity we can carry. And right now, for example, his last debt affordability said I have about one point, transportation has about 1.6 billion in, in debt that we can carry and still maintain our AAA bond rating. Today, though, I have no instrument to use that. So I'm not asking for new debt capacity. We're asking for an instrument just to leverage the debt capacity we already have. So you're not coloring that, outside the that's lines, correct. you just want to take advantage of that. So a good example is if you're an average homeowner uh, here in North Carolina, probably about 20, 25% of your revenue is paying your mortgage. Uh, that's mm -hmm. an average number across the state. Uh, right now, and that's 25% for the average homeowner. Right now, transportation is authorized 6% and we're at 3%. So if we're going to go, if we're asking to go from 3 to, to our debt affordability of 6%, that's still very responsible mm -hmm. uh, in the total amount of debt that we would be leveraging. Wait. 
Mr. Secretary, what do you think gets lost on people when they get when they get stuck in traffic around the Triangle or, or, or Charlotte or going down to the beach or something? What do you think gets lost on the whole concept of how we need to think about a transportation plan? Well, uh, you know, I think it's uh, a, a lot of what people are facing is that we've just fallen behind. And, and I wouldn't say this is a North Carolina problem. This is a national problem. That's why you're hearing infrastructure and transportation being discussed at the national mm -hmm. level as well. We have fallen behind nationally in both building what we need to and sustaining what we already have. Fortunately, in North Carolina, we don't have as much challenge in that area because we have two separate funds. So. My capacity expansion account, which is the highway trust fund, is separate from my maintenance and operation. So we work closely with the General Assembly to make sure we're doing the best we possibly can in both of those. So over the last five to eight years, we've reduced our structurally deficient bridges in half and we've improved conditions of our network across the state. We're going to continue to do that and our proposal for build and see will only help us leverage the additional capacity that we need. And not just in the urban areas, we have challenges all across the state. So it's how we can leverage mm -hmm. this and beyond just the major interstate projects, it's the other U.S. routes, the other North Carolina primary routes, and even in local areas, some other routes that are critically important to their economy, but we're just not able to get to those. That's what Build NC will do. Uh, Christy Hall, your counterpart in South yes. Carolina, is here and, and talked uh, a lot of the same issues. And one of the things she brought up, and I know you will know this, was 15, 20 years ago, South Carolina, the upstate part, York County, Lancaster County, that Rock Hill MSA that's just outside mm -hmm. of Charlotte, came together and said, you know, we're not going to wait for North Carolina. We're not going to wait for South Carolina DOT. We're going to do a thing called Pennies for Progress. We're going to expand our own interstates, and we're going to get that going. That's, would you encourage more and more of that type of leadership, push that to the municipalities, but also make sure you check mm -hmm. in with us, but go ahead and get progressive, but just make sure you don't leave us out of the loop. I know that's a well, little wild west. Step one for us was get build and see passed, which will allow us to go from uh, what, what we've currently been averaging about 1.7 billion a year in state and federal transportation improvements. Um, across North Carolina, we're, we're accelerating that to 2.6. With Build and See, I'll be able to hold that for five years. Part of what I talked about was how do we work with the General Assembly, House, Senate, chambers across the state, transportation planning organization to find those long-term investment solutions for North Carolina uh, in the future because the future is going to be different than the past. Uh, in the future, we're going to have many more connected, autonomous, mm -hmm. uh, electric, shared vehicle services. Rail. Uh, all types of transit options. Commuter rail, you're already seeing light rail. We already have inner city passengers serving the Charlotte area. It, there may be a possibility for that investment to expand from Charlotte to Atlanta. Uh, but those type of options really beg, you know, one question, will, will these transportation services still require the individual ownership of vehicles in the future? And we think th those kind of things may change where less mm -hmm. and less people are required to own their own vehicle. Today, if you own your own vehicle, you pay about 45 cents a mile to operate it mm -hmm. on average, mm -hmm. uh, and you use it about 5% of the time. Uh, with the connected autonomous and electric and shared 
uh, scenarios. You may be able to order your transportation door to door no matter where you want to go. Uh, that will better link in with other, uh, other transportation options like transit so you can seamlessly uh, order your mm -hmm. transportation, pay for it with one account, uh, and do that much less costly than 45 cents a mile. So, so if those scenarios occur, then how we pay for transportation will be important, and also how we partner with local governments uh, will be important as well. So the idea of is there some local option uh, sources and consideration that could be brought that we could uh, better leverage uh, mm -hmm. to accelerate transportation. We believe that's one of those things that, that the General Assembly should should look at. You know, it, it, when you talk about that, Your Honor, I think about uh, uh, the Durham Orange Line and how Durham and Chapel Hill have decided that they seem to have some type of, and, and I'm not going to do this well, but so there's a rail line planned and it looks like it's going to work for Durham because Orange County has yeah. backed off to some degree to allow Durham to go ahead and apply for that. So or that the, seems like they're actually partnering. Yes, on okay, the project. so they're partnering, but, yes. but 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 the way that the, the Metropolitan Planning Organization is going to apply for the funds will be a, a, a little bit easier because they're all agreeing on the same thing. I'm, and again, I'm not saying it well, but you know, the engineer in you, sir, I, I get the sense that as you deploy these plans for Build NC, you're trying to find a funding model. How can you make sure that you have enough flexibility in your plan so, oh, you know, sure. we, we didn't know that more people were going to start doing this, so we need to zig instead of zag now. No, and that's extremely important. I think, um, and we're seeing this more and more today. Uh, North Carolina is increasingly urban, but we're still the second largest rural population in the nation. So it's an interesting combination. We're about 60% urban, suburban, 40% rural. Interesting combination, which means the challenges across the state uh, don't demand just one solution. They really demand a lot of tools to, to address all the needs across the state. And so that kind of flexibility is extremely important. How do you use every tool available in the right time, right. in the right place, with the right kind of support to provide transportation that people want need and will use. That, that's really the philosophy that we want to advance. You know, I, I get the sense, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I get the sense that you are optimistic about transportation infrastructure in North Carolina, and you're not just a lone fireman with a bucket of water trying to put out the Chicago fire. No, I, I'm, I'm very optimistic that now is the critical time to start moving and exploring these new directions. No one can project what transportation will look like by 2030 or 2040, we can have estimates. I mean, right now it's hard to get an mm -hmm. accurate projection on what the motor fuels cost will be per gallon in the next six months. So if someone says, I can project with 90% accuracy, I would be suspect. However, projections are good because then you can get a range from various perspectives and say, okay, I think reality will fit somewhere in there. How do we plan for each of those because each of those, you know, some may be highly likely, some may be less likely, but I've got a plan for everything that's likely. So how do we do that? How, how do you plug into the, the idea in, in many cities and regions and communities, the idea of, as you called it, you talked about the urban-rural uh, percentage is 60-40. And the urban-rural divide is a very real challenge. How, you know, the governor has come out about that. How, how do you find your place in this very politically polarized 
policy issue, but still try to lead the way you should lead in DOT? Well, it, it has to do with collaboration and communication. Um, I think every region knows what its strengths are. Every region and every town and every county knows what their strengths are probably knows what their gaps are and where they're weak. Uh, we've been working with them. How do we support your plan on how you market your strength and what kind of things you need to do there uh, and then fill those critical gaps uh, to, that can help you be competitive. So transportation is one of those, educated workforce, uh, telecommunications infrastructure, power, water and sewer, all of those are extremely important. And right now, in most places, they'll tell you, you know, uh, if we're already competitive, we have all five. Mm -hmm. If we're not competitive, we probably only have three or four of those. So it may not be in my realm, it may not be in my realm to help with water and sewer, but through the other cabinet agencies, through other programs, we're bringing it together. And so that's the governor's proposal on what he's calling what they call hometown strong, which is how do we bring all of these elements together simultaneously to help local governments solve these problems of being competitive. For the transportation side, we, we've uh, accommodated that primarily through the, the transportation investment, strategic transportation investments law, or STI, which is how do we co better connect those areas that may be uh, you know, tier one counties and, and struggling mm -hmm. for economic development opportunities. How do we better provide transportation that connect them to the nearest economic hub? And so projects that do that get, get much higher points in the process. And most of those are in that, that lower tier. We have a statewide tier, then regional tier, then division. And that's part of uh, Build NC's focus is how do we get additional resources into the regional and division tiers to really help across the state, whether you're urban or rural, uh, it'll provide solutions for both. You know, as, as I think, I sit here and think about the way that you're describing DOT and all of the tentacles and all the different communities and the fact that you're really an economic developer, a community developer more than anything else. Um, you also have things under you, if you described it, is, is light rail, but you also have heavy rail. You've got s relationships with CSX and Norfolk and Southern. And then you've got the ports. Let's, let's talk about that for just a second. For a long time, the North Carolina port has seemingly, and I'm not saying this is under Paul Cosa, but has been competitive with Norfolk, with Charleston, with Savannah. Uh, North Carolina does not have the same type of port as those other ports, so it would seem that North Carolina would be more of a complement than a competitor for even Charleston. How, how do you come down to that? Well, uh, obviously, North Carolina, which is one port in two, in two locations, Port of Wilmington and the Port of Moorhead, um, you know, is really working hard. And Paul's done a great job in working hard. What are the gaps out there in, in commodities and in industries that are underserved? How can we target those? So a lot of focus on frozen agricultural products, fresh agricultural products. Um, you know, these are things that are uniquely can help North Carolina, both in import and export. So a lot of focus has been there. How to modernize the port mm -hmm. to make it more competitive. So, uh, you know, three years ago, uh, you could probably get a ship the size of 6,000 uh, 20 foot equivalent units, which is the industry nomenclature TEU. 
6,000 uh, with the improvements that the port has done uh, through Paul's leadership. It's up to 8,500 and we've got additional cranes coming in that can get us to between 9,000 and 10,000 TEUs, which makes us more competitive, mm -hmm. but also allows us the opportunity to find those niche markets that, that we can serve and serve better than any other port. So that's the concept. How do we do that? We're focusing on can we get better intermodal service? So uh, while Paul's been there, mm -hmm. uh, we've gone from no intermodal service between the Port of Wilmington to Charlotte. We targeted a weekly service and opened a daily service. So now we have daily intermodal service going from the Port of Wilmington to Hamlet and the Charlotte mm -hmm. area for the first time. Those are the kind of things that we want to continue to do to make our port more relevant, but find those things that we can be very competitive and almost dominate, if you'd like, uh, so that we can bring that kind of value to North Carolina. You, you uh, as, as, as an Army general, you had the distinct leadership ability, and, and I would say honor, and I know you would too, to lead troops, and when the Army, Air Force, Marines, Navy, when they all cooperate, as they always do, you can bring to bear your leadership across all branches of service. I'm wondering if, do you, do you feel like you've had the opportunity to use what, that, that same leadership skill across both Carolinas? In other words, erase the political boundary between the two and figure out how to figure out a better way for two DOTs Yes. to be much more, um, uh, bring to bear economies of scale and be, be, be better than, that, you know, one and one plus uh, equal three in this case. No, absolutely. Uh, we, and we have a great relationship with South Carolina. We communicate uh, free, frequently on things like traffic going across the borders, uh, congestion uh, challenges. Uh, a great example is when the uh, hurricane hit Florida and they had to do the evacuation. Extensive coordination going on between North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia to make sure that the types of flows that they were releasing, we were absorbing and, and could be able to do that uh, mm -hmm. so that citizens you know, weren't stuck in long queues for um, long periods of yes. time during an evacuation. At the same time, trying to uh, time that with all the relief efforts going the opposite direction. So all of that's very important. Um, we have been partnering in the Council of Governments here, uh, Metrolina Council of Governments has been leading an effort on the surrounding counties in uh, South Carolina, how to better coordinate transportation and infrastructure needs. Uh, and we've been supportive in that uh, effort as well. Is so, that, does that, I'm sorry to interrupt you, does yes. that share resource and raw materials as well? It, it's primarily sharing resources through planning okay. and coordination. Uh, because most states uniquely, uh, I can spend money, North Carolina transportation revenue in North Carolina, South Carolina can do the same thing. Counties have mm -hmm. the same types of restrictions. But in the planning area, we can share resources because we're jointly working together. And so those are the types of things that we can do regularly. Uh, for the first time several months ago, we had um, a Board of Transportation meeting. Uh, the North Carolina Board of Transportation met in Charlotte and invited the South Carolina Highway Commission mm -hmm. and the South Carolina Commissioner here. Um, and so held joint meetings and discussions together. What do we see that we have in common? How can we work together on those things? Obviously, funding and investment is one of those that every state in the nation has in common. We're all looking for what's the right answer for the future. 
Uh, but there's other operational mm -hmm. things that can be important. Was that well. productive? You feel like that was productive? We feel it was very productive. Do you feel do you feel a little reticent to share proprietary information, or is there a free exchange mm -hmm. of information? Uh, well, from my standpoint, there's no proprietary information. We're a public agency and a public yeah. body, so everything is public. I believe South Carolina has the same, and none of our challenges are unique. But how can we work together simultaneously with supporting strategies? Those are always helpful. Um, Secretary Trogdon, we have about a minute left. Toll roads, are they, um, will we see more toll roads going forward? Well, we're obviously going to see more. We've already got uh, the extension of 540 in Raleigh mm -hmm. planned. We're working with the, the Metropolitan Planning Organization now on what will 485 and Independence Boulevard look like. Uh, we're working with the local advisory group on I-77. What are some of their ideas that we can advance? Has that become less that? contentious and more productive, you feel? Well, certainly more productive. We've gotten every community, the counties, uh, the chambers of commerce talking about what everyone has sees in common, what are some of the conflicts, how can we address those. We're looking at all the alternatives that the Mercator report brought forward mm -hmm. based on all the public feedback. So we're going to advance every one of those that we possibly can uh, under current state and federal law. Would you expect 10 years from now at least more toll lanes, maybe double as many? That's part of that long-term question. I think yeah. uh, revenue and tolling can't really be talked about the, together because our revenue challenges are, are large. Tolling is a wonderful instrument for financing projects, accelerating projects, but they would be very okay. difficult to replace our traditional revenue sources. So they're, they're really same at the national level. How can you okay. use these to leverage more product and more projects, uh, but, but not a nuance. replacement for yeah. in the future. Uh, Your yeah. Honor, thank you for being on the program. My General. pleasure, We're Chris. Glad to have you on yes. the helm, and uh, uh, thanks for getting stuck in traffic to come see us. We appreciate that. Anytime. <laughs> Until next week, I'm Chris William. Hope you have a good weekend. Good night. Major funding for Carolina Business Review was provided by the Duke Endowment. Bearings, Grant Thornton, Novant Health, Sunoco, Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Promotional consideration provided by Business North Carolina Magazine. For more information, visit carolinabusinessreview.org.